0: it's june 15th 2021 you're back on the lecker room sports media podcast thank you for tuning in today uh actually this evening i'm recording this tomorrow it'll come out at 7 a.m like the normal time uh so happy wednesday to you listening to this podcast um yeah we're just gonna jump right into it podcast shout out of the day uh shout out to all those dads shout out to my dad and uh my brothers they're all dads and uh for father's day this weekend coming up i didn't even realize it until somebody told me yesterday about it so happy father's day to all those fathers uh get out to watch some baseball do some barbecue and it looks like we're gonna have some nice weather this weekend um so yeah uh update on my life this last weekend was the golf tournament that i had mentioned um in the last podcast uh we did not do so well but maybe that had something to do with the amount of alcohol that had been consumed throughout the day but it was a good day overall um got some got some golf in. got to hang out with some friends drank some bush lattes and, uh, watched the fireworks and there was a bluegrass band that played some, uh, pretty nice covers. So overall, really good day, good weekend over in Yates Center. Um, uh, <clears throat> this weekend is Father's Day, of course. Um, unclear of what I will be doing, but, um, it's possible I'll be heading up to Kansas City, so we'll see what those plans are. I've been doing so much traveling lately, and gas prices being so high right now. It's it's kind of, yeah, it's getting in my head a little bit to just kind of stay at home and chill for a little bit. But Kansas City playing the Red Sox this weekend, so I was thinking about catching a game there. I'm pretty sure my parents are going to be up in kansas city this weekend visiting my family and yeah it's about all that's new from the previous podcast uh we'll go do a quick rundown of the podcast we will have our coaches archives to lead everything off like normal and then jumping into a couple more mlw series that have been posted recently we mentioned the cobras versus the eagles on the last podcast uh, that had already been posted, and, and and since then, the D-backs and the Gators has been posted. So, check out those series before we go into depth on them. Um, I believe this Friday is the Mallards and the Predators being posted, and then the following Friday will be the uh, Magic and Wildcats, and that'll wrap up the second round of games. For the MLW, getting closer to the all-star activities for that league already. Um, Of course, they don't play a lot of games, but we're getting close to it already. Six games being played by most teams so far. Um, And then after we talk about those, we'll do an update on the loathe Kansas City Royals as they are breaking my heart once again in the hearts of all Royals fans as they do naturally. Um, And then we'll do a quick rundown of the MLB as we always do to end the podcast. But first, the coaches' Archives. This one is going to be a little different because we're going to step away from baseball or wiffle ball. We're going to do some NFL and we're going to do... A little trivia over my team, the Denver Broncos. All right. The Denver Broncos sports trivia. Number one, what year, what year were the Denver Broncos founded? 1940, 1950, 1960, or 1970? I believe 1970. That is wrong. No. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to be getting so much crap for not knowing these um okay 1960 yes that's correct the denver broncos were founded in 1960 part of the american football league which formed that year and later merged with the nfl in 1970 so i guess that was where my mind was going i'm not going to have a ton of extra <laughs> i'm not going to have a ton of extra input on these because i just know more about baseball but all right number two what was the denver broncos record their first season Three and ten and one, three and 4 four nine and one, or seven and seven. Uh, it was probably terrible. Three and eleven. Three ten and one. Four-nine and one. Yep. <laughs> in the very first season, nineteen sixty, the Denver Broncos went four nine and one, winning the first two games, but losing nine of twelve. Number three, who was the first Denver Bronco to rush for more than twenty touchdowns in a single season? Clinton Portis, Terrell Davis, Mike Anderson, or Floyd Little? Oh man I'm so bad at NFL trivia Clinton Portis That is wrong Terrell Davis I should have gone with my first instinct That was my first instinct 1998 Terrell Davis Became the first Denver Bronco To rush for more than 20 touchdowns Finishing with 2008 rushing yards And 21 rushing touchdowns Number four (laughs) We're over three right now Fantastic Broncos fans aren't we Number four, which of the following distinctions can the Denver Broncos boast of? First AFL team to be an NFL team, first African-American American place kicker, first team to wear vertical striped socks, all of these. Oh, um, I'm just going to say all of these because that's usually – yep, Okay. <laughs> The Denver Broncos can boast all of the distinctions. Number one, they were the first AFL team to beat an NFL team, best in the Detroit Lions, 13-7. Number two, they had the first African-American place kicker in pro sports history, Gene Mingo, who played halfback and kick returner. Number three, they were the first professional football team to wear vertically striped socks. Okay, I don't understand why that's significant, but all right. So we got one, one for four. Number five, in what round in 1995 NFL draft did the Denver Broncos take running back Terrell Davis? Um, (laughs) First round, second round, fourth round, or sixth round? Um, First round. (laughs) Sixth round. (laughs) Okay, it was the sixth round. Incredibly, the Denver Broncos drafted Terrell Davis in the sixth round, 196th pick. Hey, at least he wasn't the 199th pick like Tom Brady. We got two Super Bowls out of it in that era, so <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Number six: Who was the first Denver Bronco to compile more than 15 sacks in a season? Trevor Price, Carl Carl Mechil, Mecklenburg, Simon Fletcher, or Lise, Lyle Lyle Alzado Alzado? This is bad. This is all. This is all information. Um previous to the when i was born so let's yeah <laughs> let's go meckenberg fletcher yes 1992 simon fletcher became the first Denver bronco to compile more than 15 sacks in a season he finished with 16 so what does that make us one for six number seven which head coach led the denver broncos to their first playoff appearance Lou Saban, Dan Reeves, Red Miller, or Mike Shanahan? Well, I'm going to say Mike Shanahan because he's the only one I recognize, and I figured that would have been wrong. Dan Reeves, Lou Saban, and see a last one. 1977 rookie head coach Red Miller led the Denver Broncos 12-2, and two, and ultimately a Super Bowl where they defeated by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'm stupid. I kind of forget that the Broncos have been to a Super Bowls previous to 90, 98, I believe, 97, 98. Um, but are notorious for either winning it or just getting their ass kicked. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we have like the four. So what are we three and four in the Super Bowls? When each? Well, let's let's just look it up. Super Bowl record for Broncos. So believe are three and four. But each that's probably not right. But for each one that we've lost we've just gotten destroyed especially in um the year we <laughs> the year we got destroyed by Seattle here we go 3 and 5 actually okay uh Super Bowl 12 lost by 17 Super Bowl 21 lost by 19 Super Bowl 22 lost by 32 Super Bowl 24 lost by 45 one Super Bowl 32 and 33 Super Bowl 48, lost 48-3. to three. Rip. <laughs> and Super Bowl 50, won 24-10. So, we're on a winning streak of one. Okay, number eight. Who was the first Denver Broncos quarterback to finish his season with a minimum of 200 passes, with a passer rating of higher than 100? Uh, John Elway, Jake Plummer, Brian Grease, or Gus Ferrodi? Pfft. Oh, um... I guess is it's not John Elway or Jake Plummer. I'm guessing it's one of those guys from way back then. Gus. Brian. Aha! In 2000, Brian Grease became the first Denver Bronco to finish a season in a minimum of 2,000 passes. Oh, wow. That was after um, John Elway. Okay. One for eight. Let's get the last two. Which team originally drafted John Elway? Boston Patriots, Baltimore Courts, Chicago Bears, or Denver Broncos? Baltimore Courts. Colts. Baltimore Courts. Um, this is something I know about John Elway refused to play with the Colts Um, let's see the Colts traded him to the Denver Broncos for Mark Herman offensive lineman and first round pick Elway would go on a stellar career with the Broncos leading the team to five Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl victories in 97 and 98 All right, two for nine let's get this last one who did the Denver Broncos trade to the Washington Redskins in 2004 for Pro Bowl quarterback Champ Bailey? Um, Clinton Portis. Yes, we got it. March 3, 2004, the Broncos completed a blockbuster trade with the Redskins, sending Clinton Portis to Washington and getting Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey. Was a boss. He was so fun to play with on the old Madden games because he was so much fun. He, he had like 99 speed, 99 catching. So you just put him as your running back, cornerback, and your kick returner. So that was always a good time. But um, all right, so we went three for ten on the trivia today. Uh, next time we'll get back to the baseball because it's just I, I'm, I'm no more about it. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that'll wrap up our coaches' Archives segment of the podcast. You're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. MLW is up next. Little update on the NBA. The Nets took down the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 5, 114-108. to 108. Kevin Durant had 49 points in a triple-double to give the Brooklyn Nets a 3-2 lead in the series, Um, as they should be. Um, James Harden also played tonight, so eh, it's so hard to talk on the NBA right now just because of how the players just move around so much and my team was the thunder when Durant was on them and, and Westbrook and James Harden. And as I think it's so hard to be a fan of the NBA just in general right now, Um, just because you can only really root for a player. You can't really stick with a team right now because the team is going to be so much different in one. I mean, one year, two years, maybe. So it's, So you stick, you 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 choose your team, you know, growing up, and then you root for them. But then, you know, you're 20 years old, and then you all of a sudden you're 25, and you look back, and you're like, wow. You know, Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, they had Paul George and Westbrook, and you know Chris Paul not or uh, yeah Chris Paul not too long ago, and now Chris Paul is on Phoenix, and Westbrook is on Washington, and so. Anyway, update on the NBA. Brooklyn should win the NBA title this year. If they don't, the whole league's gonna be different again next year. Uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I wish I, I know Adam Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has tried his best to <laughs> to uh, make the NBA seem more relevant, especially in the regular season. I know the playoffs are playoffs are a lot of fun to watch. I mean, that, those are the games that matter. But I guess. You could make the case of the same thing for the MLB, but I don't know. Baseball's different in, this, in the fact that. I don't know. <laughs> I just like baseball more, I guess. That's my argument. And I'm sticking to it. Okay, let's jump into the MLW. We're going over the Cobras and the Eagles, and the D backs and the Gators. Um, Cobras and Eagles interleague matchup and D-, D backs and Gators is a national league rivalry. I guess you could say these days, um, but go ahead and watch those come back uh, pause it here. Go back and watch those videos. If you want to see what happens for yourself, I'll give you a couple seconds here. Uh, I would say the D backs and Gators series was more exciting to watch a longer video. So um you got three seconds two seconds all right Cobras and Eagles the Eagles bounce back from the first series of getting swept by the Diamondbacks and they win the series against the Cobras um two games to one they win games one and two two to nothing and two to one and lose game three one to two um, probably the most uh, iconic way of how the Eagles are winning games as they always have. Low-scoring pitching duels, Daniel Schultz dominating on the mound. And they almost won game three with Dallas Allen, the rookie, on the mound um, as well. Um, so I guess we'll we'll go jump into the biggest winner of the series. Uh, I, I chose Daniel Schultz as the biggest winner of the series after coming off his worst series ever probably against... The uh, against the Diamondbacks in the first series. Um, let's see. Clicking on the wrong thing here. So Daniel Schultz, um, while he was still hitless, he did dominate on the mound. The former Cy Young winner bounces back to dominate and earn two wins for the Eagles. After giving up eight hits and ten walks in his first series against the Diamondbacks... He only allows two hits and three walks and striking out four, uh, 14 and in six innings against the Cobras. So really bounce back against the Cobras. The Cobras got really cold this series. Um, as you could compare the notable stats from last series for the Eagles, the the Eagles only had six hits the entire series while giving up a total of 13 hits and 25 runs of the D-backs. So they really they really turned things around against the Cobras. Won the series. Now sit at two and four. The Eagles still have a big hole on the offensive side. Uh, not getting a lot of runners on base. Not hitting. Uh, bright spot for the Eagles though was uh, Neil Smith hitting a home run in game one. Um, so uh the biggest l of the series just hitting in general by both teams i couldn't believe how low scoring it was especially after how the cobras kind of dominated the gators <clears throat> in their first series came out both teams came out real cold i mean the eagles are still fairly cold on the offensive side of things the only the only way that the eagles don't finish last in that division is if um I mean, they got to start hitting. Daniel Schultz, I mean, he showed that he was human against the Diamondbacks. Uh, he Eagles still have to play the Gators. They still have to play the Mallards. And we'll get into the Gators in a minute, but the Eagles have to pick up their hitting. Uh, biggest L of the series hitting in general. There were only 11 combined hits by both teams in the three games. Uh, Cobras only managed three runs while the Eagles get across five. Both teams are in a lot of trouble, Uh, no spark on the offensive side, with much higher numbers uh, being put up offensively this year compared to last year. I think last year the highest run total for a team throughout the season was in the 30s or 40s. Put that up against the D-backs who have played six games this year. They have put up 42 runs in six games, and the Eagles have only put up 12. While also allowing 28 runs in their first two series, so not looking very great right now for the Eagles. Um, I did have them. um, I did have them getting second place, going nine and six. That was my preseason prediction. If I if I were had to redo the Eagles. if I had to do redo my Eagles predictions for this season, I only have them probably winning six games. Um, so they still have the Wildcats left, Wildcats, Mallards, and Gators left on their schedule. Uh, it's going to be a tough three series for them um, if they can't get their hitting going, which I do see, and I, I see, I notice the Gators are also struggling. But I have a very strong feeling that the Gators are going to pick it up a lot quicker than the eagles will as the gators only have the magic the eagles and the mallards um left to face so uh eagles win the series two to one they're two and four cobras get one game at least and don't get swept they avoid the sweep and are at three and three so in typical cobra fashion coming out and dominating the first series and then falling behind in their second series Um, I think the Cobras are still a very solid team. Hitting was lacking. Pitching was all right. I thought Baranowski pitched fairly well. Drew Davis had a lot of movement on his pitches as well. But um, we'll see what happens to both of these teams as they are leaning towards being two of the mid-to-bottom-tier teams going into the third series and to the All-Star break. So, um, enough about That series, we'll move on to the, Uh, no, that was last week, the uh, Diamondbacks and the Gators. So this is a series you really wanted to look out for as you had the defending champs coming up against the, probably the best team in the league right now. Um, Diamondbacks did win the series uh, two games to one. They won games one and three, six to one, nine to one, and games two, game two, uh, the Gators won game two, uh, five to two. Uh lopsided games one and two, um, while game three went the distance, um, there was zero to zero, uh, a long pitching duel between Cheatham and Jimmy Norp, uh, Jimmy Norp, of course, the front runner for the MVP of the league right now, um, just having an outstanding season so far through two series, uh, they had to finish game three on a different day, due to not having enough light in the day. They, they were basically playing in the dark in game three. Uh, so a zero zero ball game going into the eighth inning. Uh, ben Wilson, one of the top prospects from last year, couldn't play in games one and two, but since they played game three on it, or at least the eighth inning, game three on a different day, he could come out and play. And the key moment of this, basically the series um, was Ben Wilson coming up with bases loaded and hitting a grand slam to break the tie in the eighth floodgates opened up wheels fell off for the Gators pitching D-backs put up a nine spot in the top of the eighth and end up winning nine to one uh, D-backs are by far the best team in the MLW through six games they sit at five and one as I said before D-backs have scored 42 runs and um, That's almost 20 more than any other team that's played six games so far. The Diamondbacks are are real. And I I said this on my first podcast, if you listen to that, the Diamondbacks are the dark horse to win the World Series this year, and I really think that they have a legitimate shot to do it. Um, If you did listen to that first podcast, I have the Diamondbacks facing the Predators in the World Series. I'm sticking to it. I think the Predators are a really good team, and I think the Diamondbacks have a legit shot to upset the Eagles, upset the Gators. You know, the Eagles being the long-running team, the the old, not really a dynasty, but the, one of the OG teams with a lot of experience, and the Gators, who are the defending champions who have proven themselves to be a good team. The Diamondbacks are just a step ahead of everybody. They are that good. They're going to win a lot more games this year. I could see them winning 11, 12 games this year. So... Diamondbacks win the series two games to one. Again, six to one, five to two, nine to one. Gators get game two. The biggest winner of the series, again, is Jimmy Norp. Two time biggest dub of a series. Uh, In game three, he pitched all eight innings, striking out 15 uh, while having uh, four hits and four RBIs on the offensive side of the game in game three. And he leads the m l. w through six games with an average of four eighty four and leads the r b i category with twenty two and he leads home runs with five so not only is he leading the m v p talk, he's also gonna probably win the silver slugger biggest l of the series I had a couple points for the gators um gators are really struggling off the bat this year. If they can't get a series win soon, they're going to be in deep trouble and they're going to slip out of the, it right now it's a battle between the the third spot in the NL between the Gators and the Eagles. It's either going to, it's going to come down to late in the season, but both teams are playing very similarly with lacks, lack of pitching and well, not, not necessarily lack of pitching, but a lot of lack of hitting, um, but both of these teams, Eagles and Gators, have a very good chance to not make the playoffs this year after both of them missed, uh, made the playoffs last year. Uh, Brendan Jorgensen took an L this series. He only had two hits in the series and losing game one on the mound. The Great Lakes Gators sit in last place as a team and average in the league at 169. Um, and that's almost 20 points behind the Magic and the Eagles. average and most importantly they're last in place they're in last place on on base plus slugging at 7.755 which is about 100 or which is about 50 points behind seventh place and that's that's probably my most important in my opinion the most important offensive category for this league as not only do is it important to get a lot of walks as in the past the team you know you got Um, Ryan Kelly from the Wildcats and the 2018 world series world series champions didn't get a lot of hits, but his on base plus slugging was really high because he walked a lot and then he had timely hitting. So it's all about getting on base and timely hitting in this league because there's going to be a lot of strikeouts and there's going to be a lot of walks. But if you can get on base and you can have that timely hitting scoring one, two, three runs on a hit, that's going to be the difference maker. That's why the Gators are two and four right now. They're lucky to be two and four in their previous series against the Cobras. Um, I don't even, I mean, they, they, they should not, honestly, I think the Cobras should have swept that series. So they they were very fortunate to, to be at two and four right now. Um, Great leg skaters on the pitching side are also sixth in ERA at 4.37. I think that's going to get better. And their whip is also three Oh five in sixth place in the MLW. So, Recap of that series: Diamondbacks dominate once again. They're the best team in the MLW right now. They sit at five and one. Um, Gators are struggling, and yeah, that's all we got for that. Uh, my record now: We're gonna update that. We're we're uh, what are we? Six series in. Um, I in my series record, I'm four and two. I chose. I actually did choose the D-backs and the Eagles to win both those series. And my overall record is 11-7. and You're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Royals update next. Kansas City, oh Kansas City. The Royals are breaking our hearts, everybody. Oh, you Royals fans out there. um, So on the last podcast... That was posted last Tuesday, I believe. Um, I said they were going on a road trip to Los Angeles and to Oakland, and I said we would. I think we were sitting two games above 500 at the time. Just came off two losses against the Twins at home, but we had won, um six or seven. I said on this road trip, we need to win three games, maybe four. Go go three and four four and three on this road trip um, and we went one and six and we're spiraling we're spiraling we don't need that because in the last 11 games're we're we're, we've lost 10 of the last 11 and now we sit at 30 and 36 so instead of two games above 500 we're six games below 500 um, and we're gonna go into why um, it's a lack of hitting. Lack of hitting and a lack of uh, starting pitching. So, in the last eleven games, the offense is only averaging two point seven three runs per game, uh, while the pitching is allowing five point nine runs per game. Are um, yeah, it's it's not great. It's not great. We've been giving up a ton of runs um, early on in the game. And it's and we can't even blame it on the bullpen because a lot of these games, you know, I turn on the radio. This evening we're playing we're playing Detroit right now, and they already lost tonight four to three. But we're down early in the game. We're down two to nothing or two to one or, you know, the other night we're losing. You know, we lost ten to three on Monday, and we're just digging these giant holes for ourselves that we can't get ourselves out of. So starting pitching is not really helping us. And that that kind of directly leads into hitting. I was like we're well, already down the game. They gotta they gotta play like it's zero to zero the entire game, at least on the offensive side of things. Um, By hitting in the last seven days, we we got a couple of names to rattle off here. Uh, Whit Merrifield, our all star second baseman utility player. Um, he's batting he he's seven for thirty one right now. No RBIs. Salvador Perez is probably our only bright spot in the offense right now, but he is 9 for 27 uh, with three RBIs. So, yeah, our, our only bright spot probably in the last seven days. That's that's 333 average. Um, Carlos Santana, our first baseman, 6 for 28, only one RBI. Uh, ben Attendi recently put on the 10-day IL. He's 4 for 18 in the last seven days with two RBIs. Uh Soler, picking it up a little bit he had three hits last night three for five um with three are uh, he's six for 20 in the last seven days with three rbis still not great considering his average right now is about 180 ish and then of course dozier the guy that we signed to a four-year deal is three for 25 with no rbis and the big the, and the, we're getting guys on base and i mean last night we were down seven to three i think but we were we left the bases loaded twice in the fifth and sixth inning. We couldn't scratch away. I just I was watching that game and I said, "Come on, guys, let's just scratch away. Let's get one or two runs out of this." And we get I think we got one run one of those innings, and no runs another inning. I think another inning we had runners on second and third, didn't score. And a, a big part of it is not really having the bottom of the order either. I mean, Nicky Lopez is producing. Um, I think Gutierrez is all right. I mean, we got guys that are all right, but we just, we're not coming in the clutch right now. Leaving guys on base is a big deal. And then not having Mondesi um, in the lineup because he's hurt again. That's been hurting us big time because when we started that big winning streak a couple weeks ago, um, getting our record back above 500, we had Mondesi in the lineup. We were scoring seven, eight runs a game. So not having Mondesi in the lineup's been hurting us, and the bullpen is—they're pitching—is they're pitching fine. I mean, you look at the box scores at some of these games—you know, late in the game—they're not giving up a ton of runs. Um, so they lost again tonight. Um, play Detroit again tomorrow, and then the Red Sox come into town this weekend. Um to Kansas City. I say in a town. I'm not in Kansas City. So kind of a tough stretch of games here. Boston, of course, I think leads the AL East. And then we go to New York. Um with a going up against a mediocre New York team who probably I mean they're they're still a really solid team. Go to Texas. I mean, that's gonna be I, I think that Texas series will be And I guess you could say, you know, all of these series are going to be important. Um, If we can't, we have a big, long road trip coming up. So, you know, this weekend against Boston, if we can't win tomorrow, can't get swept by Detroit. um, If we can win two or three against Boston and get one game in New York, uh, get two or three in Texas, because Texas is very beatable. We've beat them already this year. Uh, First series of the year, we beat them twice i believe and then um and then to boston so very tough stretch of games for the royals pitching's got to be better Uh, it doesn't help that duffy's been hurt i believe as well but of course duffy can't start every game and we got to give our bullpen a little bit of a rest we got to get our our guys deeper into the game keller's got keller's gotta last longer Mike Miner's got to stop giving up so many home runs. So, and Mike Miner did get the win last week against Oakland. He was the one winner last week. Um, He pitched tonight and did not manage to get a victory. Offense was, offense just been stagnant. Pitching, uh, starting pitching has not been great. But if we can, if we can float around 500 the next, you know, through July 1st. So we return home on July 2nd against Minnesota. And I think we have... You know, a, a, a more—I don't want to say easier, but a more winnable stretch of games against Minnesota, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. Um, if if we can play 500 on the road the next couple of weeks, we got a really long road trip coming up. So if we could come out, you know, say just a couple, two or three games below 500, that, that means we would be have a winning record. All, you know, in the next couple of weeks. So. I guess I guess a recap. I'm a little I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but this I, I would say this is the this is the anchor of our season right now. Um if we can't stay within five or six games, you know, if we're not playing 500 ball within the next two weeks, you might as well throw the season out the window. We I mean we're already holding on by a couple of threads, so Royals fans, pray. <laughs> pray that our offense gets better. Let's get our let's get our starting pitching to have some quality innings. Um have our hitting, have our have our hitters actually hit above 200 a little bit, hit some more home runs. Hopefully Mondesi can come back provide that spark that has been needed here in the next couple weeks and we'll see where we're at um come that Minnesota series July 2nd at home. Um yeah. So that's the update for the Royals. Um I guess I guess while we're at it, let's go check out the Rockies. <laughs> like uh, anybody that listens to this cares. Uh, <laughs> the Rockies are actually kind of on a tear right now. They've won three in a row. Um, but, of course, they still sit fourth in the NL. So, um, yeah, that's your Royals update. Um, you're listening to Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. The final segment, the MLB overview, is up next So I was wrong. Actually, the uh, Red Sox are two games back from Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay now leads the American League East. But uh, first, we talk about the American League Central. The Chicago White Sox are in first place at forty-two and twenty-five, four and a half games ahead of Cleveland, thirty-six and twenty-eight, and the Royals are eleven and a half back at thirty and thirty-six um royals are kind of falling behind in the division detroit's actually catching up they're playing some pretty good baseball right now and minnesota in last place the american league east of course tampa bay in first place at 43 and 25 the boston red sox at 41 and twenty-seven. New York Yankees 3-7, their last 10 games. We love to see it, but they're still two games above five hundred in third place in the American League East. The American League West, the Oakland Athletics sitting at 41-27, and 27, two games ahead of the damn Cheaters, the Houston Astros, and the Angels, seven games behind Oakland. Heading over on the National League side of things, the New York Mets are 4.5 ahead of the Phillies. Um, who are two and a half ahead of Atlanta in the National League East. The New York Mets are seven and three in their last 10 games, as well as the Philadelphia Phillies. In the National League Central, Milwaukee Brewers sit at 38 and 29, tied with the Cubs in first place. Cubs are also 38 and 29, three games ahead of the Reds. And the St. Louis Cardinals, 34-33, and 33, still four games behind first place, but the Cardinals are very cold right now, 3-7 in their last 10 games with a run differential of negative 28 on the season. But they have won their last two. Um, so over in the National League West, finishing up the update of the MLB, the San Francisco Giants lead the Division 41-25, a game ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are 7 and 3 in their last 10 games, have won two in a row. San Diego Padres are in third place, four games behind the Dodgers. And the Rockies, of course, are 26 and 41, 15 and a half games back, and six games ahead of the lowly Arizona Diamondbacks. Sorry, Griffin. Griffin, we root for a bunch of loser teams. <laughs> Remember, there was a there was a time there in college where the Diamondbacks and the Car- and the Rockies played each other in the playoffs, and it was actually, you know, awesome. But the uh, Diamondbacks now have lost eleven in a row. Uh, I guess we'll read off the wild card: Red Sox, Astros, Indians are top three in the American League, while the Dodgers, Brewers, and Cubs are top three in the National League side. Um, Royals are eight games back from the top wild card spot in the American League, which is not great considering well I guess if the Royals were to make the playoffs it would have to be in the wild card because the White Sox are too good and yeah anyway <laughs> that's about gonna wrap it up here. I'm done talking about the Royals. I wish I, I wish they were doing better. I wish I think we all wish they were doing better. But you know, it is what it is. And it is, you know, if we're gonna end this thing on a on the positive note, it is better baseball than they had been playing in the last couple of years. We actually have some big names on our team. We just got to execute. We just got to, you know, come in the clutch, get some runs in, you know, pitch better early in the game. And we'll see what happens but uh it's looking like tampa bay is a very strong team this year Ch- chicago white Sox are very strong this year it's going to be tough to knock them out of the top spot in the al central but that's going to wrap it up here on the Lecker room sports media podcast i hope everybody has a great day great wednesday when this comes out and a great father's day weekend we'll hopefully see you next week about this time um, and hopefully the Royals will have ended this losing skid um, and we'll do some more updating with MLW and our trivia segment. We'll get back to doing some baseball and make myself not look as much of a fool, but we all know that's kind of impossible. So <laughs> anyway, this has been the Locker Room Sports Media Podcast. Thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for listening.